0: Hello and welcome to the Just Reminder podcast, episode three. Uh, Today I'm going to be talking about my thoughts on resolutions, how habits tie into resolutions, and then how we can use habits to help us stick with our long-term resolutions throughout the year, and hopefully throughout uh, your life. So with that being said, let's just hop right into it. Um, But before I get into it, actually, um, I want to say that a lot of my thesis comes from Charles Duhigg in The Power of Habit, and James Clear from Atomic Habits. These are two fantastic books that I just finished reading. I've read Atomic Habits a few times. I just finished The Power of Habit for the first time. They are fantastic books. Um, So I just wanna make sure I put that out there before I jump into the great books, highly recommend them. My thoughts on resolutions. I think that resolutions are a fantastic thing and one of the worst things. I think they're fantastic because they serve as a motivational point for a lot of people to hopefully make a lot of change in their life. Um, people set a lot of goals, even people that don't normally set goals, become goal oriented, which is awesome to be striving for something. Um, it serves as a you know a huge motivation point. A lot of people make big changes after a big event. Um, you know, you stop smoking because a loved one had lung cancer, you start eating better and go to the gym because the doctor told you you're obese and you had a a heart scare or whatever. People make huge decisions after a huge event. And I love that New Year's can serve as a, as one of those events for people without the tragedy of someone getting lung cancer and the doctor telling you you're morbidly obese and you need to cut down or else you're gonna to continue to have heart problems. Um, I think it's awesome that New Year's serves as that purpose for a lot of people um, because it, it puts people in that mindset. It puts people in that mindset, which I think is awesome. The reason I hate New Year's resolutions is because people think that motivation is enough to set a long-term goal. Uh, people assume I'm so motivated. It's New Year's. It's gonna be a great year. 2020 is my year, which they say every single year. And by the time they get to February, they say 2020 sucked. I can't wait for 2021. 2020 is gonna be my year. I'm so pumped. It's gonna be great. And then uh, they don't put in any systems in place to help them stick with their habits. They uh, abandon them. About 85% of people abandon their habits by February, by the middle of February, which is why I. One of the reasons why I stalled on um, doing this episode is because I wanted to wait until people until people were stopped doing them and then hopefully someone listens to this and stopped doing it and is now listening to it and hopefully reconsiders picking going back to the gym, um, buying healthier stuff, quitting smoking. Uh, I hope this serves as a reminder for a lot of people. It's one of the reasons why I backed it up a little bit um, up into February, which is kind of weird to be doing a episode on... Um, episode on New Year's resolutions in February, um, but there is there's logic behind it. I promise. So, I just wish people would set better systems in place. I I wish people would stick with their resolutions better. I wish people would you know just do. I wish people would just put themselves in a better s- spot to succeed um, with New Year's resolutions. I think it's awesome that people do it, but you know I just wish that I I wish that they could stick with it. Ha- now now I want to kind of jump into um, Now that I have that brief intro What habits have to do with New Year's resolutions So Charles Duhigg says it in one of his books Or in his book Either Charles Duhigg or James Clear I'm not exactly sure which one I read it in I believe it's Char- The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg Says that about 40% of our habit Our decisions are actually habitual They're just habits that you have done Over and over and over again You don't even think about them Even if you think you think about them there actually happens um, like uh, backing out of your driveway that's an example of it. I think they both give um, backing out of your driveway imagine the first time you backed out of your driveway versus now two totally different experiences the first time you had to think you had to check you were going super super slow now you feel like you know the driveway like the back of your hand and you can just zoom out of there zoom out and you're you're at work Um, going to work the route you pick to work is habitual you're not thinking about it anymore the first few times maybe you thought about it what's the best route or maybe you googled it I guarantee you don't Google use Google Maps for your route to work anymore Um, uh, what you choose to go to lunch where you choose to go to lunch you might think you're thinking about it but realistically unless Unless you guys... like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you guys are truly thinking about it. You're, it's probably a habit. Um, whether you th- whether you know it or not. There's probably a cue that you've seen that makes you want it or whatever. Or every Wednesday you go get it. I don't know. Um, it's probably a habit. And whenever you pack for lunch is also a habit. Uh, they're all things that you're not really thinking about. It's about 40% of the decisions. The reason we have habits is because it's a shortcut for your brain to be able to uh, think about what you actually are gonna need to think about. So you don't need to think about what am I gonna eat today? Um, because you know that like, you have food in the fridge and you can just pack, you, know I mean? like, not, you don't have to like, a- critically think about it. Like, oh, well, what am I gonna eat today? You don't like go in the fridge and like, think, well, well maybe if I, if, if I grab two slices of bread, and then, there's this white stuff, and then there's this yellow stuff. Maybe if I put it on the bread, that'll be pretty good. And then, what if I put like, what is that, is that chicken bread? Ham? Maybe if maybe I put some ham on it, that'll be good. And then, you know, that spoiled milk, but now it's hard and it's like yellow and stuff. Like maybe if I put that on there, that'll be really good. And then that green stuff is probably going to be really good on it. You don't think about that. It's a habit. You know how to make a sandwich. You know how to pack a lunch. It's a habit. If you've had to think that much about packing your lunch or backing out of your driveway or whatever, you'd be exhausted by the end of the day after you had to think about all the MLA and other things you needed to think about at work or you know, logistically throughout your day. Um, so it just doesn't make sense to have to think about it all the time. So your brain has made shortcuts uh, in order to just be more efficient, Just to have, so you can think about the things that you're gonna have to think about. Um, And now, so now that you know kind of why we have habits, what purpose they serve, um, now you, another big part of it is knowing um, the habit loop. So in, in The Power of Habit, Charles Duhigg says that there's three steps, which is like a baby step in the fourth. He doesn't give it an official step, but he does acknowledge that it's there. And then in Atomic Habits, he um, just says there's four steps. Oops, he just says there's four steps. Um, in The Power of Habit, Charles Duhigg says that there is a cue, a routine, and a reward. And then right before you do, right between the cue and the routine, uh, there's a craving. Um, and then in Atomic Habits, which is the form that all, I, I think that there are four steps. Um, in Atomic Habits, he says that there's a cue, a craving, a routine, and a reward. So the only difference is, um, he uh, he just acknowledges it as an actual step in the habit loop, whereas James Clear, I mean, whereas uh, Charles Duhigg just doesn't. So now let's break it down. So the habit loop. I'm gonna open up uh, his book because he has oh, flip it to the page. He has a great, he has a few great examples um, as of the habit loop. So, the first step is the cue. And the cue is what starts the habit. So it's the environment that you're in, something happens, and then you feel a certain way and you do a certain thing. And it's just that thing that kind of kicks it in gear. So for instance, um, a cue is your phone buzzes with a new text message. The second step is uh, you know, you want you want to learn the contents of said message, so then you grab your phone, and now you feel good that you've, uh, you know, read the message. You, you're you're satisfied as you are. Uh, your craving is satisfied. So the cue is very simply the um, just the thing that kind of kicks it in gear. You know, you wake up, or you walk past a box of donuts at work, or whatever, uh, you know, whatever it may be. It's just kind of what kicks it in gear. The second step is the craving, and the second step is the feeling that you have that you want to change. You want to change um, something. So, you know, when the, phone, the, when the phone buzzes, you haven't read the text yet, and you really, really want to. You want to be able to change that. You want to you have the text read already. Um, you're answering emails and you feel stressed and you want to feel in control. Your craving is to feel in control. You wanna be de-stressed. Um, you walk past a box of donuts, you want a donut. You crave something sweet. You crave the fluffiness of the donut. Um, you walk into a dark room, you immediately crave to see. Uh, I know that's kind of a little bit of like a weird one, but like you crave to see. So, then the third thing is the response. The third thing is the response. And the response is what people think of when they think of a habit. The habit is like, it's the routine that you've been doing. Um, uh, James Clear calls it a response to the craving, and then Charles Duhigg just calls it a routine. Um, I don't really, I mean, I don't really have a preference. But they slightly change it. Um, The response is just what you do. Uh, It's what people think of whenever they just think of it, when they think of a habit. They don't really think of the cue and the craving and the reward, they just think of the routine. What am I doing? Um, So like your phone buzzes, you want to read the text, so obviously the routine, grab the phone. You're answering emails, you begin to feel stressed, you pick up your phone and you, like, go on social media or something. Or you bite your nails. Or you go out for a 10-minute walk. Or you smoke a cigarette. Or whatever it is to be able to deal, be de-stressed, feel in control. Um, to be able to satisfy that craving of, like, this is not fun. I want to do something that I enjoy. And then um, the fourth step is the reward. And the reward is the satisfaction of the craving. The reward is simply just, like, ah the ah moment, I feel better, you you know, you've calmed yourself, you're not stressed anymore, you're happy, Um, you are, you've just satisfied that craving. You know, so like one, you know, one is like maybe you, you're driving home, you see McDonald's, you smell the McDonald's, you crave McDonald's, you drive into the parking lot, you're now not craving McDonald's because you've had McDonald's, you've satisfied that craving. So now that we have broken down how habits work, and that was a very brief introduction. I mean, there's literally a, you know, there's two full books on this stuff. That was very, very brief. Um, now that I've broken it down, uh, now I kinda wanna get into how we can use that to our advantage to be able to stick with our New Year's resolutions that we set this year. The first step is you have to, have to, have to be super self-aware. And What I mean by that is you have to know what you're good at, know what you're bad at, and know what you want to be most importantly as a person overall. I know that kind of sounds wishy-washy, but um, you have to start with who do I want to be as a person this year for the rest of my life? Uh, Do I want to be a healthy person? Do I want to be someone that never misses workouts? Do I want to be someone that is honest, that is loving, that is caring? Do I want to be someone that reads? Do I wanna be uh, do I wanna be a not smoker? You have to ask yourself, who do I wanna be as a person? And then once you've really identified that, then then you can go in and Uh, set your habits in place to be that type of person every day and then you can set your goals or your resolutions Um, so you have to start with your identity like I identify as a reader I read every day I'm not someone that like I'm not a reader that happens to read every now and then no I'm a reader I read I read every day I'm not a smoker I'm not addicted to cigarettes I don't smoke I've never done that so I don't identify as a smoker. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a healthy person. I don't go to the gym every day. I wouldn't, well, I, I'd say I'm healthy, but I wouldn't say I'm like a fit person. Slight difference. I'd say I'm healthy, but I wouldn't say I'm fit. I don't go to the gym every day. Um, and I'm okay with that. Like, I don't really necessarily need to go to the gym every day. I feel like I'm fine. Um, so you need to start with who do I want to be as a person and then branch out from there. James Clear has a uh, perfect example. And he draws the inner circle. There's like three concentric circles. So each time they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the middle circle is your identity. Then the second circle is your habit. And then the third, the third circle is uh, your resolution slash, go- slash goals. Uh, so you have to start with the center and then move out. What happens is whenever you're able to shift that identity, um, you're able to fight for it longer because you're like, no, I'm a reader. Like, I need to do this. I need to stick with my identity that I'm trying to be. When you're goal-oriented, every time, every time that you look, uh, every time that, you know, you look in the mirror or, you know, you go to bed at night and you haven't met that goal necessarily, you get down on yourself. Um, you, you, you lose motivation. Whenever you shift your identity, it's not about a goal. It's just about the process. And therefore, every day, you've satisfied your goal. Like, every day that I read, I satisfy my goal of being a reader. There's no goal for, me. I mean, I do have a goal to read a certain amount of books by the end of the year, but every day that I read, which is pretty much every day, I have satisfied my goal to be a reader. I don't get down on myself for not meeting my goals because I know, at, at the end of the day, I'm a reader. Um, so it, it, that little shift in mindset will go a really, really, really long way. Uh, the, next, the next tip that is huge is being able to start small uh, and then go big and be able, be able to see the long-term goals. So you can't go from Joe Schmo never hitting the gym to the Hulk in one night. So why would you go into the gym trying to hit the weights like someone that's been in the gym for 30 years? That makes no sense. However, a lot of people do it. Or people set these huge goals. I'm gonna read three books in a, I'm gonna read a book a week. And they don't read. That makes no sense whatsoever. So, you have to be able to start small and you have to be able to see the long-term goals and you just have to get, um, James Clear says 1% better every day. Whether it's, whatever figure you use, whether it's 1%, 2%, half percent. You have to get a little bit better every day and then it slowly, it's the compound effect. If you get a little bit better every day, uh, you don't, you know, it's, it's crazy. Where where you'll get if you just get a little better every day every every now and then you're gonna have a stumble I don't read literally every day every now and then I you know Am rushed into work. Maybe my alarm didn't go off. Maybe they you know need me in early Maybe I fell asleep early and I didn't get a chance to read when I went to bed either Um, So every now and then I don't read but for the most part I'm reading every day. I get a little faster every day. My reading comprehension goes up a little bit every day and Um, I just get 1% better every day at that. So you have to be able to start small, go big. Um, You know, an example that James Clear uses, if you've never hit the gym and you want to start working out, a lot of people say, well, I'll just start with 100 push-ups. I don't think people realize how hard 100 push-ups is. Like, that's a lot of push-ups. What if you started with just one every single day? Why people would say, oh, well, you know, that doesn't do anything. You're right. You might not be changing a lot for your body, but what you're doing is you're telling yourself, I work out every day. And that is huge. And then, after, let's say, three weeks of just doing one push up literally every day, um, then you go to the gym. And then you start just with warm ups. Maybe you do like some warm up stretches. Maybe you jump on the treadmill for a little bit. You go for like 10, 15 minutes, then you walk out. Then you do that for three weeks. Just warming up, stretching, maybe like two minutes, three minutes on the treadmill, then you walk out again. Then after three weeks of that, you've now, without really expending your body a lot, because that's what gets people down, without really expending your body a lot, for six weeks straight, you've told yourself, I go to the gym every day. That's a long time to be able to go to the gym. And a lot of people would say it only takes 21 days to build a habit. That is super wrong. Um, it takes a lot more than that. But after, after six weeks, so what is that, 45 days, um, you've now told yourself that I work out every day, which is huge. Now you can really get into the workout and stuff. Once you have that habit built down of I go to the workout, I'm a fit person. And you have to constantly tell yourself that. You know, I am a fit person. Imagine this, so you, you, you're a smoker, you've been a smoker for years, your friends know it, your coworker knows it. You and him uh, go out for your lunch break and you guys, con- you, guys, you, know, you guys usually have a routine of going to grab lunch, you walk down the block or whatever, and you smoke on the way there and on the way back. Your coworker notices that you don't, that you're not smoking. Maybe he thinks you don't have cigarettes, maybe she doesn't think you have cigarettes, whatever the case may be. And so she, uh, um, without you knowing that you've made the resolution to not be a smoker. And you go and, and she goes, was it like a cigarette? And you go, no, I'm quitting. That has a sort of energy behind it that has a, uh, you know, you identifying as a smoker that is quitting. Imagine this. Um, same situation, except now you say, no, I have quit. Now you're identifying as a smoker, a past smoker that has quit. That has an energy behind it. Now imagine the situation, same situation. You're walking down the block, your coworker tries to hand you a cigarette, and you say, no, I'm not a smoker. That has energy behind it. That is a powerful statement. That is quite possibly the best answer you can give Because you're telling, like, I would never say, oh, no, I quit smoking 18 years ago. Like, why would I say that? For you that, if you don't know, I'm 18 years old, I've never smoked. So I wouldn't say, like, no, I quit smoking 18 years ago. Because I didn't smoke. I never smoked. I didn't ever quit smoking. I'm just not a smoker. So I would never accept a cigarette. So whenever you're able to shift that identity to, you know, oh, I, I, I I go to the gym. I work out every day. Whether it's big or small, I go. Um, Whether you, you know, if you're quitting smoking, I'm not a smoker, I I don't smoke, I'm not quitting, I'm just not a smoker. Not saying I never was, but I'm not a smoker anymore. It's just, it's not what I do. So you have to be able to, you know, that goes back to that self-awareness point, right? It goes back to that, you know, just being, knowing what your strengths are, knowing what you are, knowing what you wanna be. getting back to going, getting back to starting small. It's all about, you know, building up. And um, so yeah. My next tip would be uh, changing your environment, making your new habits, your good habits easy and your uh, bad habits hard to do. And so if you want to eat healthier, you should put your fruits and vegetables, visible on the table. Not in the cooler in the bottom of your fridge because you can't see them anymore. If you want to drink water, you should put bottles of water all over your house. might be weird, but you should literally put them all over your house. You're constantly being reminded to drink water. It's impossible to go anywhere in your house ignoring the fact that you told yourself that you were going to drink water. Um, If you want to... Um, This is an example that I did actually. Whenever I realized that I was playing PlayStation too much, what I would do after every single time I used my PlayStation, I would unplug it. There were two cords, the power cord and the HDMI cord that went into the TV. Um, I would unplug both cords, I'd put the HDMI cord in the bathroom, I would put the PlayStation in my dad's closet, I would put the power cord in my dad's bathroom, and I would put the controller in the kitchen. And every time I wanted to go play PlayStation, I had to go through all of those motions, it all back in and I knew at the end of the time I'd have to put it back what that did for me is I had to really audit my time I had to really think about do I really want to play PlayStation or am I just bored can I be doing something else with my life like can I be doing something productive can I go read can I meditate can I journal can I come up with you know new content um and it whenever you create that friction it makes it you really think about it you really think about it um not only changing your environment can make things hard, but it can also eliminate cues. So for instance, I have a morning ritual and a nighttime ritual. My nighttime ritual leads into my morning ritual. Before I go to bed, um, because I work at 4.30 in the morning, uh, sometimes. Before I go to bed, whether or not my dad's or my mom's, I put my, all my clothes out on the couch and I put my boots right underneath and I put the socks right on top. I have a very specific way of laying it out. I, put, I open up my packets of oatmeal that I'll eat in the morning, I put it in the bowl, I put my water heater on the water kettle, and um, so by the time that I wake up, I get up, I do, um, I do my morning stretches, get up, uh, get dressed, eat breakfast, come back in my room, meditate, read, journal, out the door. Whenever I travel, I don't have that same morning routine because my food is not in my room and I don't have a couch to put my clothes on. Now I do the best I can to kind of really stick with it, but whenever you change your environment, you also might change your cues. So that's why a lot of people, whenever they go to rehab and they get out of rehab, they relapse again because they are now in the environment In rehab, they didn't have the cues. They didn't have the friends telling them to do it. They didn't have the stress at work. They didn't have... um, They weren't in the same neighborhood. Like, it it doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, a feeling or uh, anything to really make you do a habit. It could literally just be, like, passing a house. And for some reason, that house, you have a craving every time you walk past that house. Um, That's why a lot of people relapse when they come back from rehab is because they're now back in the environment. And in rehab, they weren't in that environment. So whenever you change your environment, you might be able to eliminate a cue as well. The next step is make it fun. So you have to be able to, if it's all work, no play, you're not gonna do it. Um, you have to make it fun. If you are telling yourself that you are going to eat healthier, or, and specifically, let's say you say you're gonna eat three kale salads every week, like, let's, let's say, or whatever, I don't know, three salads, three kale salads. Kale just has, like, a bigger emphasis, I feel like. Um, let's say you say to yourself, I'm going to eat three kale salads every week. And you, and by the time you've had two kale salads, you're really not feeling it, because no one likes kale. You can say you like kale, but you don't like kale. Um, it's not good. It's, it doesn't taste good. It doesn't have a good texture. It's gross. Whatever you put it in. Kale chips, however, different story. There's science behind it. I won't explain it. Kale chips, different story. Those are bomb. Kale itself, disgusting. No matter what dressing you put on it. Can't convince me any other way. It's very good for you. Not good at all. So, you um, you tell yourself you're going to eat three kale salads a day, and... <laughs> and Uh, You get to the second one, and you're like, this is disgusting. I'm like, fuck kale salads. Like, I'm done. Fuck this shit. I'm out. Um, You have to be able to make it fun to do. So if you're telling yourself you're going to eat fit, and you're going to eat three kale salads, maybe every time you meet your goal of eating three kale salads, by the time you get to that, you get to have, like, ice cream or something. Only if you eat three kale salads. Now, you've tied a reward with the routine. So now your cue to eat the ice cream is you finish finished your third kale salad. Not only have you created a habit for eating the kale salad, you've now created a habit for eating the ice cream. Eating the kale salad doesn't really have a big reward behind it. Like you might feel better. Some people, I mean, some people really get off about like feeling better. Like I'm not one of those type of people that like I go exercise because I feel accomplished after it. I hate working out. I do not like going to the gym. Love playing team sports. I hate working out by myself. It is not fun. I don't understand how people can get a reward behind it. Some people genuinely are just like, I just go to the gym because it makes me feel good. I'm not one of those people. Some people eat healthy because they're like, it makes me feel good on the inside. I know I'm putting good stuff in my body. It makes me feel good. I'm not one of those people. If you're one of those people that doesn't feel good after eating three kale salads, you have to be able to find a way to be able to make yourself eat three kale salads. Um, because if it's all work, no play, you're gonna give up. You have to be able to um, make it fun, make it easy. My One of my last things, make it obvious and make it measurable. People have ter- heard of SMART goals, specific, measurable, attainable. Can't remember the R, time bound. Realistic? I don't know. Essentially, if you have a resolution of, um, uh, I'm going to eat better. Okay. Let's say you, or this is the better example. You didn't hit the gym all 2019 and you say, I'm going to work out more. Technically, if you hit the gym once in 2020, you have technically met your resolution. And I'm sure that's not what you meant when you made your resolution. But after the fact, it's much easier to be able to say, eh, yeah, I did better than last year. Because now you've lost that motivation, you don't really care anymore, but you're like, eh, I, I guess I did it, right? Like, I guess that's what I meant. When you make it measurable, you make it obvious, it's much easier. My morning routine, I have it written down. Very specific. I it, I wrote it all out. It's all written out here. For those of you listening and you can't see it, it literally, it says exactly what I will do when I will do it. And it has it all listed out in a list format and then it has it written out in a paragraph format. And it just says, you know, when I turn off my alarm, I will immediately get out of bed. Once I'm out of bed, I will immediately do 25 pushups next to my bed and stretch. Once I do my stretches and my 25 pushups, I will make my bed. Once I make my bed, I will eat breakfast. Once I eat breakfast at the table, I will go into the bathroom and get dressed, or sorry, go that was before I started laying my clothes out on the couch. I'll go into the bathroom and get dressed. Once I go into the bathroom and get dressed, um, I'll brush my teeth, do my, do my bathroom stuff, do my hair, um, stuff like that. Once I finish my uh, once, once I finish my, uh, my teeth and my hair, I will read and meditate for 15 minutes combined. Once I read and meditate, I will go over my plan for the day. Once I go over for my plan for the day, I will leave and start my day. Um, it is a very clear, very easy to follow, um, format, which makes, which holds me really accountable. It, there's no room for me to say, well, I guess I did my morning routine because I did or I didn't. It's very specific. When you get into the nitty gritty, you need to be able to say like, oh, well, you know, I didn't do it or I did very specific stuff. Makes it a lot easier in the long run. Once you've done this, you need to get an accountability buddy. That's what I call it. I think I heard that one time and I love it. an Accountability buddy, it's really fun to say. And it's essentially just a friend that, you, that will hold you accountable. So, and it needs to be someone that you know will hold you accountable. Whether it's your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your best friend. Um, someone that you know is gonna hold you accountable at the end of the day and say, hey dude, like what the fuck? You said you're not gonna smoke a cigarette. And they're gonna take that cigarette out of your mouth and you're gonna be pissed at them, and they're not gonna give a shit. And they're gonna try to pull out other cigarettes, and they're gonna pour water on your pack of cigarettes to ruin them all. You need to have someone that's literally willing to do that for you. You need to have someone that says, hey bro, like you didn't, you didn't, you didn't hit the gym? Really? What the fuck is up with that? You need to have someone that you know, you can't have someone soft. You have to have someone that will hold you super accountable. Uh, I forget who said this. I was watching this guy. He's a um, polyglot, which, if you don't know, he's a guy that speaks multiple languages. Um, and he has a fascinating way of losing learning languages. He has what he calls his golden ten, which are the ten sentences that have the basic mo- the most basic uh, sentence structures and you know grammar rules in them. And he says that it only takes about a thousand words to be able to carry a conversation in any language. And he learns he's learned so many different languages. Um, and he talks about being able to, you know, you know, instill habits and how to do that. And one of his things, I believe this was him, he um, he said that one of the best ways to do it is he pick you pick an anti-charity or a charity, and essentially what you're doing is you are picking something that you either really agree with or you don't agree with and you said a certain amount of money, a large amount of money that you would not want to lose. It can't be a little bit amount of money, it can't be 10 bucks, can't be 20 bucks. It has to be a large amount of money if it's an anti-charity um, that you would hate to give to a um, that you set a large amount of money that you would to a charity that you would hate to give to. And you give that money to your accountability buddy and you say if I haven't met my goal, you have to have to have to have to donate all of this money to that charity. Um the two biggest I've seen are um well the biggest one I've seen is just politics. I mean that's really like the biggest one. Um if there's a politician that you really disagree with their policies, set aside $500 and give it to their, you know, campaign fund if you haven't met your goals. That's the biggest one I've seen. It's a huge motivating factor. Um, for me it was, uh, for me like a good one is like my brother. I just say here you go, uh, I set aside like 300 bucks and then if I haven't met my goal, I say here go Dylan, 300 bucks, here you go, have fun with it. Uh, Cause I know he's not gonna give it back, he's my younger brother, he's not gonna give it back, he doesn't have a job, so he's just gonna be like cool, sounds good, thanks for the 300 bucks. He didn't do have to do anything for it. Um, so get someone that'll hold you accountable Put a system in place that'll drive you forward, whether it's a charity that you really support and you put aside a certain amount of money, or an anti-charity. That's what I've found that works actually best for a lot of people, is an anti-charity. So if you're, you know, a Democrat, then you'll probably put money towards a Republican. Uh, You know, uh, maybe Donald Trump, maybe, uh, you know, any Republican politician that you hate. Um, If you're a Republican, same goes for a liberal. Uh, Democratic, maybe you hate uh, Warren or sanders or whatever the case may be um and you just put it towards them do i think it's a good way do i do think it's a uh, good to do i think it's good to hate politicians absolutely not i'll go into that civil discourse is a t- thing that we have gotten away from no one knows what civil discourse anymore is anymore i'll get into that in a hopefully different episode um but besides the point <laughs> getting back to your accountability, kind of buddy and the anti-charity um Pick someone that's gonna just hold you accountable and keep you to your goals. And the last thing is keep your goals visible. This is a huge, huge, huge thing. If you write, this is my journal. It's a really cool journal, I love it. Um, It's really extra. Um, It has a cool line on the front. It's like, made out of like, I don't know, leather or something. Super dope. and I write my goals in my journal. So every time I open my journal I have to see my goals. If I wrote my goals on a piece of paper and I shoved it in a drawer somewhere, like what good is that gonna do me? Um Arnold Schwarzenegger used to keep his goals in his pocket at all times. Um uh, a lot of people will put goals on their bed on their bedroom door, on their front door, uh in their bathroom mirror stuff like that keeping your goals super visible is super super key because if you forget about your goals they're as good as not Um, so it's really important to keep your goals visible and make to make sure you're sticking with them for sure Um, if it's something that's tied to like eating better put it in the kitchen if it's something tied to you know no cell phones in the bedroom put it on your bedroom door so just doing things like that for sure so you know uh, long story short, shift your identity. Know what you're good and what you're not good at. Know what you want to be. Um, start super small, get bigger. You know, get one percent better every day. Change your environment. Make your make your good habits easy. Make your habit your bad habits hard. Um, make it fun to do. Make it fun. Put in good habits every now and then, or put in you know a little cheat day every now and then, or whatever. Um, make it measurable make it obvious make it a smart goal if that's what you want to do that's what you've heard Um, get an accountability buddy and then last but not least keep your goals visible if you do these few things I can guarantee you might not stick with your resolutions throughout the whole year you might not stick with your original goal but you will maybe develop a better goal Maybe, you know, you'll be a little better than you were rather than just going in it without any systems and saying, fuck it, I'm gonna just do it. Um, That is all I have for this episode. Thank you for listening. I know this is a little bit of a longer episode. I really hope you guys get some value out of this. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening so much or watching this, wherever you're watching this. With that being said, I'm your host, Connor Cohan, and thank you for listening to the Just Reminder podcast.